Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 181 is entitled Utopia. We have names for the perfect society. The Garden of Eden, Shangri-La, El Dorado, Promised Land, Heaven, Camelot, Paradise, Nirvana, Utopia, Happy Valley, the New Jerusalem, the Celestial Kingdom, Zion, Elysium, Empyrean, the Millennium, Arcadia. I dare say that all religions promise an eternal utopia, and all mankind dreams of Elysium. Those, however, are future imaginings, and surprised by tragedy and disrupted tranquility, we must live in the real world filled with noisy commotions, inveigling distractions, and abrupt interruptions. It is ironic, but Adam and Eve willingly partook of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil to escape paradise, knowing they would be forced to leave the Garden of Eden. The story of Adam and Eve has become the archetype of all utopian literature. Hugh Conway left Shangri-La. Candide left El Dorado. Raphael left Utopia. And Rasselas, Prince of Abyssinia, left Happy Valley. Once they left, they all longed to return. But of course, like an unhappy adult, one can never return to the Elysian fields or blissful captivity of youth. Blissful captivity is the term Samuel Johnson used to describe Happy Valley. The prince was unhappy because he had everything and didn't know what to desire. In Johnson's novel we read, Here the sons and daughters of Abyssina lived only to know the soft vicissitudes of pleasure and repose attended by all that were skillful to delight and gratified with whatever the senses can enjoy. They wandered in gardens of fragrance and slept in the fortress of security. Every art was practiced to make them pleased with their own condition. Christians long for the Garden of Eden, Paradise, the Millennium, Heaven, and the New Jerusalem. We always desire that which we do not have. But, like freedom once achieved, once we do have it, we consider it as common and trade it for that which has the most glitter. As Peter warned, As free, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. 1 Peter 2.16 Today, Christians long for the second coming of Christ, the coming down from heaven of the New Jerusalem, the rapture and the millennium where Christ will reign a thousand years. But the paradox of life is that the only way we can enjoy the millennium and even heaven is to first experience the taste of hell. We must gain a knowledge of good and evil which can only be found in mortality. The law of opposition is necessary in both the temporal laws and spiritual laws. Adam and Eve and their posterity had to first leave the Garden of Eden and experience life in the natural world before they could enjoy the fruits of paradise. Adam and Eve chose the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil over the fruit of the tree of life, because immortality in the Garden of Eden, without the forbidden fruit, was tasteless. The only way we can enjoy spiritual bliss is to first experience mortal sorrow and temporal vicissitudes. We must know the evil to enjoy the good. Isaiah and John speak of the lion and the lamb lying down together and the coming down of the new Jerusalem. But first, the seven seals must be opened. 
like Ezekiel's wheel within a wheel. The seventh seal has seven seals. And we must consider that Christ was referred to as both the lion, the law of justice, and the lamb, the law of mercy. The seemingly endless complexities of life must be faced, and therefore we have the law of liberty. The laws on how to attain freedom from bondage in a wilderness where The devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5.8 What is light if we do not understand darkness? What is happiness if we do not understand misery? What is joy if we do not understand sorrow? What is immortality if we do not understand mortality? What is God if we do not understand Satan? What is order if we do not understand disorder? What is heaven if we do not understand hell? What is anything if we do not understand its opposite? When Paul spoke of one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, he was speaking of kingdoms of varying degrees of glory. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. 1 Corinthians 15, 40-43 He could have said, One kingdom that shines like the sun, one kingdom that shines like the moon, and one kingdom that shines like the stars. We understand Paul's image only because we, like Paul, are standing on mortal earth looking up at the heavens. We know them by contrast with the dark shadows of our own lives. Stars come out in the day only during an eclipse. In the depths of our trials, conditions are placed upon each of those kingdoms. In other words, if we want the highest kingdom, we must, in our extremities, at great sacrifice, obey the laws of the highest kingdom. For example, we could replace the word kingdom with heaven. Paul, who was caught up in the third heaven, added an extraordinary image. For one star differeth from another star in glory, so also is the resurrection of the dead. That increases the number of kingdoms of glory or heavens beyond imagination. Different kingdoms are ruled by different sets of laws. Each set of laws must be complete, or there could be no independence. Paul even names the separate kingdoms of glory. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory. Kingdoms are separated by their light, laws, knowledge, and power. We inherit a kingdom of God according to the complete set of laws we obey. If we live the laws of the celestial kingdom compared to the brightness of the sun, we inherit the celestial glory. Christ said, Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Matthew 13, 43. If we live the laws of the terrestrial kingdom, compared to the brightness of the moon, we inherit the terrestrial glory. 
Otherwise, we inherit a kingdom of glory compared to the brightness of the stars, which appear infinite in variety, but none equal to the two highest kingdoms. It is tied in with the resurrection. In other words, at the resurrection, according to the complete set of laws we obey, our resurrected bodies, though perfect, will differ in brightness and glory, or light and truth. One will shine like the sun, another like the moon, and another like the stars. The resurrected body, perfect in every way, will differ only in the light that will go into judgment with us. As we stand before God, who shines like the sun at noonday, to be judged, those whose countenance shines like the sun will be better off than those whose countenance shines like the moon. And those whose countenance shines like the moon will be better off than those whose countenance shines like the stars. And those whose countenance shines like the stars will be better off than those whose countenance does not shine at all. God rules by law, and through law man is preserved, protected, perfected, governed, and sanctified. The kingdom we inherit, that is to say, the utopia, Shangri-La, or heaven we inherit, depends upon the laws of God we obey on earth. Those who live the laws of Christ to the best of their ability will inherit the kingdom where Christ lives. That is, according to man's agency, governed by the law of justice and given hope by the law of mercy. It is through the conditions of law that we are given choices. It is through obedience to law or disobedience to law that we are judged. Ultimately, we cannot blame God or Satan for our choices. The only thing that we can blame will be our desires. Paul said, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. 2 Corinthians 5.10 The only reason that makes sense is because of our perspective here on earth, where things are obscured by shadows and confounded by distractions. The sky looks brighter from the bottom of a well. Heaven looks happier from hell. A poor man envies wealth much more than a rich man who has never known poverty. All things are relative. Here is the paradox. We must strive to create our own utopia on earth. What is true for heaven is also true for earth. In heaven we seek for the celestial kingdom. On earth we may have to settle for Arcadia, that is, peace and contentment. It all centers around law. If we want liberty, we must obey the law of liberty, Christ said. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. Malachi 3.7 But until the Lord comes, we must address the problem with our imperfect earthly laws, and that has proven to be a challenge greater than that which the wisdom of man can cope. Still, there can be peace in the storm. Let me share a story that I have shared before, told to me by my father. Hurricane Hugo, though it had degraded to a tropical storm, hit his home in Charlotte, North Carolina, with a fury. It was destroying the roof of his home and the pecan trees in his yard. He became frightened. He knelt beside his bed and prayed. The storm continued, but peace came to his heart, and he lay back down and slept through the night. The next day, his roof was destroyed and had to be replaced. Limbs were ripped off the great trees, and his yard was a mess. Yet during it all, he had peace in his heart. It reminds me of the words of the Savior. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30 Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.